This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Well, college football fans, and welcome to the Primetime Podcast. My name is Ricky Widmer, and as always, I'm joined by Brandon Swanson. Hey, hey, hey. And Brandon, we ha- me and you have to apologize yet again to our Big 12 faithful because... They were sitting there for another week, Brandon. They're going, cool. Ricky and Brandon are going to talk about the Big 12 finally. We're going to finally hear about our conference. I'm sorry to the Big 12. You're the fan base. You've been hoodwinked again by us. But me and Brandon thought we should do our SEC previews this week because of SEC media days and what's going on right now in college football. Do not worry. We're still going to get to the Big 12. We still got the Pac-12. Those are going to be coming in the next two weeks, but we thought the SEC would be the conference to talk about, especially this point in time. And just a little overview from last year heading into this year. Alabama, only college football playoff team from this conference. They lose to Ohio State. Ohio State goes on to win the whole kit and caboodle. Missouri, they won the SEC East. You have Georgia was a game behind them. Florida, 4-4 four and four in the conference. Mississippi State and their great season where they had to beat Old Miss just to be in the position to possibly be in the college football playoff. They weren't. Alabama went in. They won the SEC West. They won the SEC title. And the big thing that I think we have to start with is that Alabama team. They're losing a lot of key players, just plain and simple. Blake Sims is gone. Amari Cooper is gone. You're only returning four offensive starters from last year. And like you said, Brandon, before I hit the record button, you're losing arguably the number one wide receiver in college football last year. You are losing the number one wide receiver uh, in the conference, and and I do believe in college football as well. I don't think anyone else could put up any better stats than what Amari Cooper put up last year. But, I I mean, you also look at it, too. You're losing Blake Sims, guy who was great for you last year. You're going to have Jake Coker at quarterback. He had 403 yards in limited time last year with four touchdowns, no interceptions. I mean, you you lose TJ Yeldon at the running back position. You you have a lot of losses. That doesn't mean that it can't be filled, but at the same time, you know, you get to this point in the offseason and you look at the roster and you go, you know what? We lost a lot of good guys. But at the same time, you have to be hopeful that you've got one darn good program. See, and the one thing, this is the only position I come out when you were naming off all of those names, TJ Yeldon kind of spoke to me because how many times in Alabama Crimson Tide history in our lifetime we've seen, oh, well, I don't know how they're going to recap or uh, not recap. How are they going to kind of move on without Mark Ingram? How are they going to move on without Trent Richardson? Funny thing about Alabama, once a good running back leaves, a new running back comes to the fold. TJ Yeldon comes up. Trent Richardson came up when Ingram left. Ingram came up when the guy before him left. And it just goes down the line. It's kind of like I think of it, you see all like the pump-up videos for Southern Cal being wide receiver U and UCLA being linebacker U. 
Alabama is just running back you, and not just running back, like ground and pound guys that are just going to dominate college football. That is the kind of, and I'm looking right here, Derrick Henry, he's going to be the key guy this year. Last year, in a kind of, you can say backup role to TJ Yeldon, had 172 carries, 990 yards, same amount of touchdowns as Yeldon, 11. The big question, though, for this offense is what kind of an identity are we going to see? Is Jake Coker the guy? Well, I think that when you take a look, and you were talking about Henry, so let's stick with him for a minute. Henry ended the season with four really good games, getting at least one touchdown in each of those last four. That's excluding the All-State Sugar Bowl, where he also did have a touchdown. So I think that you can definitely put your faith in him. I think on the other side, when you talk about Jake Coker, I think that that's going to be the interesting part, because they have been going with Blake Sims for a long time. Now Blake's gone. Yeah. Yeah, now Blake Sims is is gone, and I, I think that it's something where you've got to hand the reins over. It is completely Jake Coker's game now, and we've seen him play well. We have seen him play well, but I, for one, have not seen him play enough, and that is my only issue. Haven't seen him play enough. I think he can be good. I mean, Nick Saban is the head coach. He's a really good coach. He's a great football coach. Jay Coker needs a little bit more time. He's got this whole offseason where he's the guy. He's the guy. I think that's going to speak volumes. I don't think Alabama has one thing to worry about. Well, the one thing, and I'm looking at the recruiting side of it, another good thing, and this is this goes up to just Nick Saban and his coaching staff. Last season, the 2015 recruiting class, they're bringing in the best class from the SEC, and you look at just the guys in their rankings, looking just down their state ranks, most of them are like number one in this state, number one, number two, number five. But the best guy out of this that just seals the deal for this entire class is wide receiver out of Florida, yeah, Calvin Ridley. So you're losing Amari Cooper. You're bringing in possibly, I know that, I think in football we're getting more to a age where if you're good enough to make an impact, you're going to play. And I know where football used to be that, you know what, wait till your sophomore year if you're good enough, maybe junior year. Maybe Ridley can come in and make a impact right away with the big – Amari Cooper, you're not going to get the same person in Amari, but you got to have someone fill those shoes. You have to. You make a good point with the wide receiver position specifically because that's the biggest question mark for me on this team right now because Amari Cooper leaves. It's a huge hole to fill. But a couple other guys leave as well on this team. So I think that uh, when you look down at at, at the stats and who's going to be the guy, I, I think they've got uh, Chris Black who like caught 15 passes for 188 yards mm-hmm. last year. I, that's, that's not doing it for me. So I, I think... One, we're going to have to see other guys step up. We're going to have to see what other guys can produce. But also, I think that you have some recruits come in. Hey, if they've got something, you go ahead and you put them, insert them into the starting lineup, and then that's going to be really good things, hopefully, then, for Alabama. I'm going to ask you a question with Alabama, and this goes back to your quarterback with Jay Coker, because you said you haven't seen enough of Coker right now. Of course, this can change once we get into fall camps leading up to the season right now, early kind of feeling. Are you going to go Coker, the proven veteran, or 
And if he's not your choice, you can give me a percentage that this next guy starts this season. Blake Barnett, freshman quarterback out of California. Third best recruit from this year's incoming recruiting class for Alabama. Oh, I'm saying 100% Jake Coker. 100, 110% that Jake Coker will be the starting quarterback. He's earned the role. He's been there the longest. He He's he's proven that he can be okay. I mean, I haven't again, I haven't seen enough of him, but I wouldn't want to see a completely new guy come in over Coker when I have no idea what this new guy can do. Unless he proves to be just a gem and a half, Coker's the guy. See, and here's, and I just, I don't know what to think because Coker to me, you got to think back. The reason why he came to Alabama was he knew he wasn't going to play at Florida State. He was not going to be the guy with famous Jameis there. Fine. Go to Alabama. He goes through this last year, and he wasn't really the guy. Blake Sims was the guy, but they kind of, in games, used both. I think that right now I go at Coker as well, but I'd be weary if I'm Coker because if Blake Barnett comes in and he meshes with Lane Kiffin, and Kiffin goes, hey, you know what, Nick? I think I think my offensive system, we could work better with this young gun freshman than Coker. There's a chance that the, the freshman could be starting for Alabama. No, I don't think so. And when I said 110% that it'll be that he'll be the guy <laughs> and he'll and he and he'll start, that's what I meant. That he'll start. I didn't say that he wouldn't split time. Mm-hmm. Because that's what I think that's what Alabama likes to do. They split time. If they can They'll split time between two good quarterbacks. So to see what Barnett has, that'll be interesting, and that's exactly what could be the case again this year. I'm gonna we're gonna jump to another team, number two team in the SEC West, the Mississippi State Bulldogs. And the just flat out question do they have what it takes to be just as good this year as they were last year? Absolutely, Dak Prescott. He threw for almost 3,500 yards and 27 touchdowns through the air, only 11 interceptions, and then 210 carries, just short of 1,000 yards on the ground and 14 touchdowns. This guy is good, and he is going to lead them to some really good places this year. They need to stay away from the struggles, though. That that stretch of struggles that they had last year, that cannot happen again. They have got to be ready to go each and every game this year if they want to get somewhere see and this is the thing i know you have Dak prescott and one of the biggest things i'm not going to fight because it is true if you have a quarterback you have all the possibilities to have success in college football however the one thing i think about is what's around him this year you lose nick griffin you lose um lewis the wide receiver you lose robert johnson you lose some talent on the offensive line. So to me, I'm sitting there going, you're only returning five starters on offense, four on defense, and you still got to play an Alabama defense that is returning nine starters on that D. Nine starters. Yeah, I know. I I think that one for me, I'd be going, well, where do we go at running back right now? Because Josh Robinson's gone. 
had over 1,200 yards and 11 touchdowns last year. Your next best running back is Prescott. So I think that you need another guy outside of Dak because he's not going to be able to do it every single game, nor should he be doing mm-hmm. it every single game. I mean, that's not necessarily what the game plan calls for. And then I think you have to look, again, on the on the wide receiver end and the weapons, the weapons around him. I mean, I think a lot of the times a quarterback makes the rest of the guys better, but it's nice when you have some uh, big targets to throw to. Well, and also another thing, I'm looking at their schedule right now, and their non-conference schedule doesn't look too bad. They have two games early on, their first and third, against Southern Miss and Northwestern State, and then later mid to the season, for our second and third week of October, they have at home against Troy, at home against Louisiana Tech, so... If you're looking at those non-conference games, there's no doubt 4-0. But with every SEC team, it just matters what you do in conference. And I mean, LSU to start your conference season on September 12th, yeah, it's at home, but that's going to be a tough one. The two games I look at, though, September 26th and October 3rd at Auburn at Texas A&M because Auburn's going to be a tough team. Gus Malzahn's still there. Oh, wait, then they add back defensive coordinator who was at Florida in Gus Malzahn. He's there to help out this year. You got to go in and play at Auburn with that new huge jumbo jumbo screen that they got there. And at Texas A&M, and I know some people may be saying, well, Ricky, did did you not get the news? Johnny Football's not there. However, Texas A&M has a young quarterback who – is going to be looking to say, I'm putting my freshman year behind me. Well, if I'm Mississippi State, I know that we do not have an easy schedule this year. Not at all. And plus, everyone's gunning for you. And that quarterback, Kyle Allen, coming in sophomore for the Aggies, and everyone in the SEC is going to be gunning for you this season. It's kind of like that first year that Missouri did really well in the SEC. They kind of took everyone by surprise. Mississippi State did that last year. Alabama's going to know you're a good team. LSU's going to know you're a good team. Hell, even the lower bottom feeding teams like Arkansas is going to know that, or Kentucky is going to know, hey, we got to beat these guys because they're really good. No, you're not going to surprise anyone. In all honesty, I think the last three games are are, are going to be tough for, for Mississippi State. I think versus Alabama then at Arkansas, and then versus Ole Miss to end. I, I think those three are going to be tough. Alabama's going to be very tough. I think Ole Miss is going to be very tough. And who knows, Arkansas at that point in the season, they could just be playing spoiler and one of those teams that will not get out of your way and can really ruin things for you if you're Mississippi State. So the Bulldogs really have their work cut out for them this year, especially with a Week 2 matchup versus LSU, which will be a big one. They also got to play at Mizzou. Later in the season at Missouri. I mean, yeah, you get Alabama at home, but really it doesn't matter where you play Alabama. They can beat you anywhere. The one thing I just think about the Bulldogs is they may not surprise us like they did last year. They may take a few steps back, even if they do have Dak Prescott. I'll say maybe, maybe they take a step back. I don't think they take as many steps, but I mean, they're not falling backwards. They maybe take a step back, but they're still, they'll still be competitive. They're still going to be a force to be I'm reckoned with. I'm going to say with. this. They may be competitive, 
but the top four teams in the SEC West are going to be Alabama, followed by Auburn, followed by Mississippi State, and the fourth team is either going to be Old Miss or LSU. So you're going to go from two in the West to possibly three, maybe four. I'd say three. So you're going to take that much of a step back, which in the SEC, that's a game. So you're going to lose one more game instead of maybe six and two. You're five and three in the SEC this season. Because I'll go ahead and go this far. I'll give you exact games. They'll lose to Alabama. They'll lose to Auburn. They'll lose to Missouri. There's your three SEC losses. They're, you're going to you're going to say that they'll lose to Missouri. I'll say either Missouri or LSU. Both Alabama teams in uh, the Tigers and the Tide roll Tide, and either the Tigers of Mizzou or the Tigers of LSU. A lot of Tigers in the SEC. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of felines. But the one thing that this is kind of goes with Alabama goes with Mississippi State. Alabama was the only team from the SEC to make the college football playoff. How much does this new system, the college football playoff, hurt the SEC? Screws them. Because we're not going to get, like, maybe people are saying, oh, maybe Mississippi State deserves a shot to be in the playoffs. Maybe Mizzou deserves a shot to be in the playoffs. We're not getting that double team anymore. No, that's why I think they need to expand the teams. That are that are in the playoff. Yeah, it's a that's a conversation for a different day. But give me give me one team that we haven't talked about that you think is going to surprise people in the SEC. I don't think that they're going to surprise people. I think they're just going to be better than what they were last year. Who Auburn? You think so? Yeah, I do. I I'm kind of on the Auburn bag wagon too because, like I said, you got Gus Mills on there. Will Muschamp is he a bad coach? No, he just had a bad situation. In Florida, I mean, it's kind of like, really, you're going to expect Will Muschamp to come into Florida and just overtake and just keep continuing the progress that Urban Meyer had? It's not going to happen. The big thing, though, for Auburn is can they get past Alabama? Because Alabama is going to be a front-runner for that SEC West. And see, that's the thing. Each time that these two teams meet up, it is it seems to be a very close game. We remember that game, uh, what was it, two years ago. Yeah, when the, that the was, kick return. That was when um, Auburn went to the national championship and should have beat Famous, went famous Jameis. I almost said Famous Weymouth. <laughs> Either way. Famous Jameis. We get it. But I, I, I think that Auburn really can make the leap this year. They've, they've definitely got to win a couple more of the big games, but I think that they can make the leap. I mean, I, I think when you look at their schedule, <laughs> it comes Louisville down. It comes bad it, isn't, it isn't kind. It's not kind. I think, again, you look at their schedule and you go to the last three games for them, and that's going to be the make or break point see, with Georgia, Idaho, who cares, no, and, and then Alabama. And see, that's the one thing I wanted to get to because I looked at Alabama's schedule before I looked at Auburn, and the one thing I can't stand is that November 21st, yeah, they're both on November 21st, so the same week, right before those two teams play, really, you're going to play, Alabama's going to host Charleston Southern, and Auburn's going to play Idaho, really? 
really you're going to play those two teams that late in the season at that point I if at that point I would have said fuck it let's kind of schedule a harder opponent earlier in the season and just have that be a bye week just have it be a bye week because it's the same fucking thing. Well, in in all honesty, it doesn't it doesn't help either team at all, especially at that point in the season because you're going from playing all these competitive games. You're coming off of Arkansas, Ole Miss, Texas A and M, and Georgia, and then Idaho. And that you you're right. I, I could see a bye week there. That pretty much is what it's going to be. And what what do you say, Charleston Southern? I yeah, mean, I never heard who, of those people. Well, so, Charleston Southern. The only reason I've heard of them is you got to have someone for. My fighting a line out of play because we're just not on the same level as Alabama and Auburn. But I know that you're probably sitting there screaming at your computer, at your phone right now, if you're listening, because you're like, Ricky, what do you expect? You expect Auburn and Alabama to go through the gauntlet of the SEC, but still play hard opponents in conference. And this is, this kind of brings up the whole co- strength of conference. Discussion. I'm going to ask you this question because the SEC is so powerful compared to everyone else. Are you okay with them playing, like, for example, Auburn, Jacksonville State, Idaho, San Jose State? Really? Are you okay with them playing those cupcake teams because of how tough their conference is? I feel like all of them do. I, I don't think it's just the SEC. I don't think it's just the Big Ten. I think they all do. I mean, I, I, there's so many games that I'll look at, at at the teams that, say, a Michigan State is playing on a given week or an Ohio State is playing, and I'll be looking at them, and the score is 55 to nothing at halftime. So it's not just the SEC. It's every conference. And yeah, I think that's just fine because each week it's an absolute battle. They still have to prepare for these teams. It just so happens that they're that much freaking better than the other. And I'm going to go ahead. I'm pulling up a schedule right now because I and I'm going to put this article in the description down below so you, the listener, can see it too. I went to it's fbschedules.com and they have an article of 2015. College football strength of schedule. Do you want me to read you the top five or top ten? Go right ahead. Top Go right five ahead or ten. And, 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 and read me the top ten. Here's the top ten. And number ten, Georgia. Sixty. Their opponents have a 60% win percentage. Then we have Texas A&M tied at ten with the same amount. Number nine, Michigan State. Number eight, Auburn. Number seven, California. Number six, Purdue. Number five, Kentucky. Number four, Alabama. Number three, Miami of Florida. Number two, Arkansas. Number one at 64% win percentage, Washington. And this is using the win percentage of opponents, excluding records of FCS teams. Excluding those, excluding um, transitional teams. And not ex- and excluding bowl games, so that record was off of teams that FBS teams that weren't transitional. So if you had like a Louisville moving over or an FCS team moving over to the FBS, that record was not put in because okay, that was their first game. The bowl games weren't in there, but Washington 
Washington has the biggest strength of schedule. The t- it's a tough, uh, and I know we're going to get to our Pac-12 preview, but to, just to look at their schedule, here's our toughest schedule based on wins and losses. You ready? At Boise State, home against Sacramento State, home against Utah State, then we got home against Cal, on the road against USC, home against Oregon, road against Stanford, home against Arizona and Utah, road against ASU and OSU, that's Oregon State, and at home against Washington State. That's our toughest schedule this year in college football, apparently, based on records of last year. Well, it starts out pretty cupcakey. Sacramento State, Utah State, you can win that game. And they, the thing about they, the they, Pac-12 they is they are, only get three. They only get three non-conference games. They pretty much are um, getting it thrown right at them, though, in the middle of the season. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean right, that is a, that's tough. Right after Cal, boom, Southern Cal, Ducks, that, Cardinals, yeah, that's Wildcats. Not, that's not fun. That's not fun. And I mean, this is the big thing with each kind of conference. I feel like they're all dealing. Every conference is competitive. Everyone's got their heavy hitters. The Big Ten has the Buckeyes, Wolverines, Spartans, Badgers. The Pac-12 has the Ducks, the Cardinal, the Trojans, the um, Sun Devils a little bit now. Maybe you can add the Bruins in there if you're a UCLA fan and think they're good. Whereas the SEC, though, the one thing that stands out is any one of these teams can be a champion in their respective just division. Like no one's going to the big 10 and saying, Hey, the Illinois fighting Illini can make a run at the big 10 title. They would be insane. However, there are people that are saying, Oh, Texas A&M or Arkansas have a chance to do that. These are teams that were three and five and two and six in the conference. Because, and, and, and let me just go on record and say that this is my bias. Your sec biased, but they're the best teams in college football. They just are. I, I think they're the most disciplined. That's where the best players want to go. The best of the best. Why And why wouldn't they? They have elite, elite programs. And especially like you said, Ricky, even if someone's going to Arkansas, they may absolutely suck. But gosh, they have hope each year. This could be it because that's how competitive they'll be. When I say they suck, I mean, well, they're not that good, but they could beat Illinois. 50% of our top 10 of the recruiting rankings, this is going off of uh, 247sports.com. Out of the top 10 for recruiting classes for 2015, half of them, five of them, Auburn, Georgia, LSU, Tennessee, Bama, SEC teams. I'm telling you, those are the proven teams. Those are the teams that can attract players. And why? I mean, it's down. It's down south. It's a nice area. They don't. It doesn't snow. If I go to the top 25, 12 of the top 25. So we're nearly going half of the top 10. Almost half of the top 25 are SEC teams. And I know people are probably sitting there, Brandon, going, "Duh, duh." But let me say this again, and not to beat a dead horse of something that we talked about last week. Mm-hmm. But these coaches can sell their program. 
Well, yeah, going they can, off of the they Jim can talk, They can talk about it. Mm-hmm. They don't mind talking about it. They love talking about it. Like, I'm sure it's hard for, if Colin Coward has Nick Saban on, I'm sure it's hard for Colin to end the interview. Because that's how much Saban will talk. That's how much that all of them will talk about their program There's because only... they know that much. They're that passionate about right it. Now. And, oh, Ricky, hold on now. I'm going on a tangent. I love that. That is why I love the SEC mm-hmm. because they have passion like none other. Absolutely great football programs. And that is why every single year, they're the ones that are on national TV. They're the ones that are the big game on Saturday afternoon. That's why. Because they are freaking good. That's, only that's one exactly team. why. There's only one team outside of the SEC that I think can move in. If they wanted to move into the SEC, they can compete from day one. Only one team that's a non-SEC team. Ohio State. You want to know why I say that? Urban Meyer. He's look at the Big Ten. He took that SEC kind of coaching atmosphere, brought it to the Big Ten. Yeah. They're the only, like, I mean, SEC, we beat a dead horse every single year where it's like, oh, they're the best conference. They're the best conference. They're the best conference. However, let's throw this in there. Why didn't they beat Ohio State then last year? Oh wait, what did I just say? And and why why do you think the Big Ten is slowly getting so much better? Because they're seeing what Urban Meyer's doing with his program, well, taking taking that SEC feel and spinning it like that, and they're going, you know what? If we want to be successful, we may have to do just that. Mm-hmm. And it's not just that. I mean, the Big Ten we talked about it last year. They're they're on the up and up. People were low on them last year, and they're kind of like. Mississippi State, where this year I want to see if they can keep that kind of forward momentum. But with the SEC, I'm I'm looking at these like 2016 recruits, and number one, Rashad Gray hasn't committed yet. Gregory Little hasn't committed, but third overall on 247sports.com, Jacob Eason, pro-style quarterback, committed Georgia. You have Shane Patterson. A little bit down. Old Miss. I see LSU. I see Georgia. And I mean, there's a lot of SEC. And the one thing I just, I, to me, for the longest time, I've hated the SEC. Because it's one of those things where it's like, you see the success and they kind of become, like, it kind of reminds me of the film in the Batman movies for me. It's either you die a hero or you live to see yourself like you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. That's what happened in my eyes. The SEC lived long. The success lived long enough to, in my eyes, became the villain. So they're the villain. They're the villain to me. Like any SEC team, I can't like, no, if, if it's a Big Ten SEC, I'm cheering for the Big Ten. If it's ACC, SEC, I'm nine out of, like nine out of ten. I'm cheering for the non-SEC team. But I'll tell you, Alabama, Auburn. I'm cheering for Auburn every single time. War Eagle. It's 
it's fun. They're fun games to watch. That kills they are, you. You're they, an Alabama fan, aren't you? They, they are <laughs> competitive teams to watch. And my gosh, they make every single game exciting mm-hmm. down to the very end. It do, honestly, it doesn't really matter who it is because, you know, it could be Alabama playing Arkansas, and Arkansas could be giving them a game for at least a couple of quarters. I mean, that is why SEC football is the best. I'm going to give you one more team to give me your prediction on. They have six offensive starters returning. They lost a huge, huge running back, though. They have seven defensive starters. The big thing for them is question at quarterback. What do you think of Georgia this season? Can they run the table and get to the SEC title game? Because guess what? I think they can. You know, I I think that the... The loss of Todd Gurley is big, but at the same time, you always have guys who will come in and and replace them. And what we saw last year was Nick Chubb actually played really, really well with over 1,500 yards and 14 touchdowns, and that was in his freshman season. You have his page open. Open up that game log. And look up that game he had. I think it was the first one after Gurley went down with the injury. Didn't he have like a three or four touchdown game? He had, well, he, he had a couple of two touchdown games. Uh, third, with 38 carries, 143 yards and a touchdown against Missouri. 202 yards, two touchdowns against Arkansas. I mean, the the guy had, let's see, one of the two, best four, six, seven games mm-hmm. of just a hundred yards or more, and that's not that's excluding excluding their bowl game where he went off against Louisville for two hundred and sixty six yards yep. and two tutties. I mean, this guy. Let me let me be Stephen A. This guy is good. <laughs> Didn't know we had Stephen A. coming on the podcast. Today. No, he's gone now. But it was the Missouri game because that was the first game that I had to look back to see where Todd Gurley got injured. But it was that Missouri game that he kind of just broke out and everyone's like oh maybe Georgia won't be that bad after all but they just weren't good enough to get over Mizzou however this year like I said question at quarterback though is really their only concern because I look at their recruiting class from last year bringing in 30 new recruits enough for the fourth best class in the SEC and it's all kind of overcapped by number one recruit in the state of Georgia, number one defensive tackle, number one recruit overall, Trent Thompson. Going to make that defense scary. I, I, I think that this team as a whole is pretty darn good, and, and, and we've been talking schedules a little bit. I think looking at their schedule, they could go – realistically 4-0 to start the season. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if these guys are going to, how much of an impact they may make their first season, but I think they can. Trent Thompson, number one overall recruit, defensive tackle. 47th overall recruit, fifth best outside linebacker, Raquan Smith. Then you got Jonathan Ledbetter, 66th overall, fifth best strong side defensive end. Then weak side defensive end. They had two of them, the fifth and the eighth, in the Trez Patrick 
DeAndre Walker, the defense for Georgia is going to carry them this season. Brandon, can the court can they get the quarterback situation right to mesh with Chubb to just kind of ride? Because this defense looks scary to me. Just and I'm just looking at the guys they brought in. I'm not looking at the guys they kept. You know what? I think I think they can. And in in the end, it's it's just going to come down to getting someone and then getting consistent. Ultimately. In my opinion, it doesn't matter who you go with. Just go with somebody. You got a whole offseason. You know what you get. It comes down to you know what you have to do. You know what your situation is. Mm-hmm. You've got a guy. You've got some question marks around it. So you go and you get rid of those question marks. You work them out all offseason. You work out the kinks. You do what you need to do. You see what's right. You see what's not right. Then you go from there, and in the end, you just want to stay consistent and bring confidence to that quarterback position. If they're able to do that, I think Georgia could be pretty scary this year. What about Florida? Last team we'll talk about. I know we didn't get to Tennessee. We didn't get South Carolina, Kentucky, bottom feeders. I'm just going to say bottom feeders because they were 3-5, and 2-6. and six. But another big team, question-wise, because Will Muschamp and the way he was kind of pushed out of Florida for his 4-4 four and four conference season, 7-5 and five last year with the Gators. Can Florida make a push along with Georgia, or are they one year removed from that because new recruiting class, new coach? Well, Florida also has the question marks at quarterback. Uh, right now I believe they have Treyon Harris. Mm-hmm. And and in his first season, he had nine touchdowns, four interceptions, over a thousand passing yards, fifty-five out of one hundred eleven attempts, at less than fifty percent completion. And that's not good in, in my eyes. But then I, I I think again, it comes down to the, the the pieces that you have. Can you piece them together, or is there going to be that inconsistency there? Not that you need a superstar. But you need to have a couple of little stars, and that'll help put it together. Last question for the podcast, and I will answer it right after you do. Who wins the SEC, and do they make the college football playoff? In general, do you want my East and my West? Yeah, tell me who you see playing in that title game, and is the winner going to go to the college football playoff? Okay, well, in the West, we're going to have Alabama's going to win it, and right behind them is going to be Auburn. And then in the East, we're going to have Georgia winning it with right behind them, Florida. And so it's going to be Alabama, Georgia, and of course, the Roll Tide win it and they go back to the playoffs. I got a little bit of a shocker for you. I'm sure you do. I agree with your, I think it's the East, Georgia. Georgia's going to play. In the West, though, Iron Bowl champions, War Eagle, Auburn versus Georgia. Winner of this game goes to the playoffs. Bulldogs win. Georgia is a college football playoff team. It's a bold prediction, and it is a Monday. And they will play Oregon in the first playoff game. No, no, I'm not going to get that. Just Georgia. I don't know. Who and they'll play, play Oregon. In I the don't fo- know who Whoa, my playoff teams a are. Ballsy now. We're, we're going to get to Oregon maybe next week. We may do uh, Big 12. It's basically at this point whatever we feel like. So 
Next week is either going to be Pac-12, Big 12, whatever we don't get to next week will be after that. That's all I'm going to give you guys. That's, because that, that's how it's coming. We, we have just pissed <laughs> off our Big 12 fans, though. At this point, they're like probably going, screw to. you guys. I feel like We're we done. have to go Big 12, but I'm not going to make... I'm not going to do it three times in a row to you guys. Here's a promise. If we do it next week, here's a promise we'll do it next you. week. It may we'll be, be in two weeks. Here's the promise for you. We will be back next week. Yeah, at least we With can who? say that. Who knows? At least we can say that, not like some other podcasts on Most Valuable Podcast. But that's going to do it for the Primetime Podcast. Thank you for checking us out. If you liked the podcast, go ahead, hit that like button. If you loved it, hit that subscribe button. You can follow me on Twitter. At Ricky Widmer, Brandon is at young underscore swan. 19? 19 as Brandon nods at me. You can follow Most Valuable Podcast on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod. I want to thank everyone for checking out this podcast. Tell us down below what you think of anything we talked about today. And hey, what didn't we talk about that you may want us to talk about later in the year? Thank you for checking out the show. And as always, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.